scripture reading this morning will be read from Luke 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Good morning and welcome again. We're very grateful for your presence today. We're always thankful to have the opportunity to come together to worship. It's a beautiful day. And we're thankful that you're here. If you're visiting, we want you to know that we consider you an honored guest. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We do have a luncheon immediately following our service this morning in honor of our graduates. And we want to encourage all to stay and to be a part of that, to encourage them as they begin a new chapter in their lives. And we're very proud of them and thankful that they have made it this far and we anticipate great things from them in the future. We're going to be looking today at Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. I want us to, I want us to think today for just a moment or two about the importance of keeping God in our lives. I think particularly for our graduates, it's helpful to remember that God wants to be a part of your life and that you ought to want to have God in your life. And really, whether young or old, all of us need the Lord in our lives. Sometimes there is the tendency to forget about God. Sadly, some individuals forget to keep God in their lives. And in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, we have an account of an individual who sadly forgot to keep God in his life. And so I want us to look at this parable and I want us to think for a moment or two about what Jesus had to say in his narration of this man's life. The first thing that I want to do is call your attention to his ultimate plan or desire. We would say here is an individual who had a master plan. Here's somebody that had great plans. And so he began setting in order so that he might accomplish the plans that he had made. As we look at this parable, let me begin by pointing out that Jesus talks very specifically about the gain of the rich man. Note, if you would, what Jesus said, beginning in verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? You and I would say that from this man's vantage point, business was booming. Life was good. Here was an individual that was thriving, materially speaking. There are a lot of people in our world today, economically speaking, they're doing very well. They have a green thumb, and that green thumb is for making money. They have the ability to, it seems, they they have the ability, it seems, to manufacture money. Well, this this is an individual who was booming business-wise. Things were going very well. And so Jesus talks about the gain of this rich man, but then he also talks about the goal of this rich man. 
And really here we're talking about his ultimate plan, his master plan, his desire. So with that in mind, listen to what he said beginning in verse 18. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. So first of all, by way of goals, his desire was to build up. In other words, business is booming. I've got, I've got to somehow develop bigger and better barns to house all of my crops and all of my goods. Things are going well. There are a lot of people in our world today, that's what they think about. Their mind constantly is on work. They're always thinking about how to make another dollar, how to grow their business, how to become more economically secure in life. Well, that, that was this guy's thinking. So first of all, he's talking about building up. And then secondly, his second goal is he wants to settle down. There are a lot of people like that in our world today. They want to build up and then settle down. So listen to what he said. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Nothing wrong at all with enjoying the fruit of our labor. And I think this individual, this, this particular man, he wanted to enjoy the fruit of his labor. Here's a man, he's done well financially. Life is good, business is booming. And so what he's gonna do, he's gonna build that business to the max. And then he's gonna step back, settle down, and enjoy life. A lot of people like that in our world today. However, there are a lot of folks that have the idea they're gonna build up and settle down, but they never get to settle down. They have the kind of personality that just won't allow them to do that. So his ultimate plan, but then there is a second thing I want you to see in our study, and that is his untimely passing. And this has to do with his death. Note if you would what Jesus said about this rich man, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? Good question. I want you to think for just a moment about people in our world today. We live in a world that is populated with about six plus billion souls. That's a lot of people. I can't begin to fathom the number of people that live on planet Earth. And yet I understand that there are people being born into this world on a daily basis. And just as there are people being born into this world, the Bible says that death comes to all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, the apostle Paul talks about the sting of death. Whether we like it or not, death is a reality. All of us are gonna be confronted with our own mortality at some point in time, unless Jesus comes first. This man had great plans. He has this master plan, things are going well, business is booming, he's gonna build up, settle down, but he forgot about one thing. He forgot about death. Last month, Nancy and I had the opportunity to go to Chattanooga. And as we, were, as we were returning on interstate, one of the things that caught my eye, a flashing billboard. And that billboard documented the number of traffic fatalities in the state of Tennessee. Now, if you take the 240 loop in Memphis, they have flashing billboards 
and they too bear out statistically the number of fatalities in the state of Tennessee through this point in time. When we were traveling, the number was about 277 or so. That number has now risen about 100 people. One of the things that caught my eye the other night when I was on 240 was the statement, don't be the next fatality. There are a lot of people in eternity today that never planned on having an automobile accident. There are people in eternity today that never planned on having a heart attack yesterday or last night or a massive stroke or some other type of health issue. I say all of that to point out death can come at any time. The Bible says man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life is very brief. James said it's like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Now the psalmist in Psalm 90 at verse 10 talks about how the days of our years may be 70 years. He said we may live to be 80 years of age, but it is soon cut off and we fly away. So when we get to be 70 or 80 years here upon this earth, we understand life is short. We know we're on the back nine of life. As a matter of fact, there comes a point in time when we pass the, the halfway point and then day by day we draw closer to eternity. Well, we talk about people dying and we've lost a lot of people in this congregation in days and months past. When somebody dies, what's the first question people ask? How did he or she die? Invariably, when individuals die, we want to know how. Let me suggest there is a better question. The better question is not how did they die. The real question ought to be how did they live? How you die is immaterial. I understand none of us wants to die. None of us want to die a painful death. We want to have a peaceful, peaceful passing into the next world. I'm all for that. But how we die is immaterial. What ought to concern us is how we live. Let me just talk to you for a minute or two about how we are living. The Bible tells us that we are stewards in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 and that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. At some point in time, you and I, we will step out into eternity. Maybe we have a heart attack, maybe we have a stroke, maybe we, maybe we have an automobile accident, who knows what's gonna happen. But the question is not gonna be how did we die, the question is how did we live? When you sum your life up, how are you using your time? This man was allotted time here upon this earth, according to Jesus in his narration of this parable. Here's an individual that expended a lot of time doing a lot of things, but time will run out. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 90 at verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. 
In James, or rather in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, at verse 16, the apostle Paul said that we are to redeem the time. We need to make wise usage of our time. So when we ask the question, how are you living? What about your time? How are you using your time? Are you using it constructively? Are you using it to draw closer to God? Are you using it to better yourself spiritually? A second question. We talk about our time, but what about our talents? It seems to me that we live in a world today wherein many people want to be on the receiving end of things, but they don't want to do much giving. And sadly, that has impacted the church. We're all for getting things, but when it comes to giving, when it comes to serving, well, that's a different story. So I would ask you, when it comes to your talents or your abilities, what are you doing for the cause of Christ? What are you using your talent for in the kingdom of God? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're not a servant in the kingdom of God, then something's wrong with your Christianity. Read about this man. A lot is said about business, a lot, is, a lot is said about his financial security, his economic well-being, but there's not one word in the first few verses about how he sought to better the world in which he lived not one word in these scriptures about how he sought to draw closer to God, serve the Lord, to do good. Let me give you a third thing. We talk about our time, our talents. What about our treasures? Everything that you possess here on planet Earth, ultimately, to whom does it belong? To you? Hardly. To your family members? Not really. Everything that you possess belongs to Almighty God. All you are is a steward. You see, this man, he had accumulated a lot of things. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 20. He said, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? What's Jesus saying? You're about to step out into eternity. All that you possess, into whose hands will those things fall? You're not going to take it with you. The Bible says we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. We came into this world with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. Here's what Job said in Job chapter 1. Naked came I into this world. Naked shall I depart. That's just a fact. You and I, we came into this world with nothing and we will leave with nothing. So what if they bury us with jewels? So what if they bury us with money? So what if they bury us in some, in some extravagant tomb? We're not going to enjoy it, at least not here anyway. And so we talk about our time, our treasures, our talents, and then our tongue. We ask the question, how did you live? How are you living? 
Did you know that how you use your tongue has a lot to say about who you are and what you are? Jesus in the long ago said in Matthew chapter 12, every idle word that men shall speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Do not think for one minute that the way you use your tongue, what you say, to your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your classmates, do not think for a second that what you say to other people does not go unnoticed by God in heaven. God takes note of everything. The Bible says, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. James said in chapter two, verse 12, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. All James is saying is you better live and you better act and you better speak with the judgment in mind. You need to understand those are real things. So, my question to you, how are you living? When we look at this man, we ask the question, how did he die? I don't know how he died, but I know this, his life didn't measure up. There's a third thing I want you to see in this text, and that is his unfortunate predicament. When we talk about his unfortunate predicament, we're really talking about his doom. Here's a man, business is booming, things are going well, everything's going his way, and then death comes. Everything that he, everything that he has accumulated, all of the things that he possesses, he's gonna leave behind. And so now, listen to what Jesus says. First, I wanna suggest to you as we look at verse 21, his fortune was in the wrong place. Listen to what Jesus said. So is he who lays up treasure for himself. Was he rich? Yes. Did he have a lot of material goods? Absolutely. Was business booming? Yes. Was he established? No doubt about it. Were things going well in life? I suspect they were. Was he, was he a man of great fortune? Well, Jesus said he was. But his fortune was in the wrong place. I want you to please listen to me very carefully. You can have more land than anybody else in DeSoto County. You can have more money than anybody in the state of Mississippi. You can have a job that is considered to be the pinnacle in your profession. You can have houses and boats and cars and clothes and jewelry and on and on and on. You can be wealthy. You can have a great fortune here on this, on this earth. But if you are not rich in things that matter, you are extremely poor. You're in poverty. Here was a man who was rich. His fortune, however, was in the wrong place. Here's what Jesus said. Do not lay up, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't stockpile here on earth. Why? Because this world is only temporary. Jesus talked about how moths and rust corrupt and consume and thieves break through and steal. 
That applies to people who are storing up here on earth. The Apostle Paul said, set your affection, set your mind. Where? Not on earth, but on things above. The vast majority of the people in our world today, they're stockpiling for the here and now. They've got a lot going for them materially, physically, mentally, but they don't have anything going spiritually. This man, this man had a fortune. The problem, it was in the wrong place. So his fortune was in the wrong place, and then I want you to see a second thing. His future was in the wrong place. Listen now to what Jesus said. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What's Jesus saying here? Let me just give you a Bible first. Matthew 16, verse 26. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I want to ask you this question. So business is booming. So things are great at work. So you got a lot of money in the bank. So you have a lot of land. So you drive the most expensive automobile. So you wear the finest clothes. So you have the nicest jewelry. But you're not a Christian. Let me tell you what. You may have everything that this earth has to offer, but you will lose your soul. You won't go to heaven. Now we talk about, we talk about losing our eternal soul. Sometimes we talk about it theoretically. Sometimes we talk about it philosophically. But let's just talk about it scripturally. Let me tell you what. You lose your soul, there is nothing. There is nothing worse than to contemplate the fact of stepping out into eternity unprepared to meet Almighty God. I'm not sure any of us can wrap our head around what it means to step out into eternity unprepared to meet Almighty God. But I know this, that there are many people that will be in eternity before, before night falls, many of whom will never again enjoy the bliss and the blessings of this earth. They'll be forevermore separated from the love of God and from the light of his presence. They will spend eternity in a place that is called Gehenna, the hell of fire. If I know anything about the word of God, there's one thing I know. I do not want to go to hell. Do I want to go to heaven? Absolutely. You know what, you know what I think about from time to time? If we were to take a poll and ask people on the street corner and even ask people in the church, do you want to go to heaven? Everybody would say what? Yes. I don't know anybody that says I want to go to hell. All of us would say I want to go to heaven. We want, we want the assurance that we're going to heaven. We can have that assurance. Here's the problem. Here's the rub. We want to live without God, but we want to die with God. You can't do that. If you live without God, guess what? You're going to die without God. You've got to live with God to die with God. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible talks about people who live by faith. Over and over again, what do you read about? You read about great men and women of days gone by. Individuals whose lives were adorned by faith and obedience. Individuals who 
to the best of their ability, sought to live in harmony with the will of God. But the Hebrew writer said, concerning those people of faith, he said they live by faith. And then in about verse 13, he said, these all died in faith. What's he saying? They lived with God and they died with God. They didn't live without God and die with God. You can't do that. You want to go to heaven? Then live like it. You want, to, you want to one day enjoy the bliss, the blessings, the happiness of heaven? Then live like it. You can't be unfaithful to the cause of Christ and expect to go to heaven. You can't have an apathetic, uncaring spirit about the church, about Christ, about his word, and expect to go to heaven. You can't live outside of Christ Jesus, never having been obedient to his will and expect to go to heaven. How do I know that? Because that's what the Bible says. This man, when you look at his life, his fortune was in the wrong place. His future was in the wrong place. Why? Because according to Jesus, he lost his soul. Listen again to what Jesus asked. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Then listen to him. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is your soul for sale? What would you give in exchange for your soul? That's what Jesus is asking. What the Lord is saying to us is you have something extremely valuable. That, that, that something is your soul. You've got to take care of it. You've got to live in such a way so that one day God will bless you with a home in heaven. So in closing, I want to say this. Don't leave God out of your plans. To our graduates, to our young people, to those of us who are older, who are more mature, I would say this. Don't leave God out of your plans. I know the tendency is to get busy with life, to forget about God, to get so consumed with the affairs of this life that we forget about what's important. What Jesus is saying in this parable is, do not forget about what's important. There are a lot of people, they've forgotten what's important in this life. What's important? Living for God, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we're gonna make an appeal to you. And that appeal is we want to encourage you to come to Christ, to live for the Lord. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. He sent his son as a demonstration of his love. Paul would say in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. The Bible also says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is in the saving business. God wants you to be saved. Here's what you need to do. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. Be willing to repent, to give up a life of sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 2.38. When you do that, the Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2.47. You'll enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3. You'll have the quality of life defined as eternal, 1 John 2, verse 25. And then if you'll live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're unfaithful, could we pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?